Hey, welcome to uh, Grant's podcast. I am Jim Grant, the editor of Grant's, and with me is the great Evan Lorenz, who is the deputy editor of Grant's, and uh, Phil Grant, who runs our almost daily Grant's uh, production, Eric Whitehead of the Dials. Well, this uh, episode of the Grant's podcast is brought to us by Health IQ, which is the insurance company for hard bodies, of which more presently, and Away Travel, maker of uh, a very nifty piece of luggage. More details of that as well soon. So Evan, I am staring at a piece of paper that I am going to submit to you is the single most astounding financial graph or picture I've ever seen. Yeah, ever. What do you think? I, I find it shocking. Phil? I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, right. You know, I, it's it's kind of a downer for you, our listeners, not to see what we see. I You would be astounded too. I, I guess we can describe it though, right? We can try. Okay, so this is a graph that compares the uh, European uh, euro-denominated speculative grade or junk bond index of Bank of America Merrill Lynch with the U.S. Treasury index also produced by B of A, Merrill Lynch. So junk bonds versus treasuries, junks, euros, denominated junk bonds. And this thing is about a week old, I guess, but you know what it shows? It shows that treasuries out yielded European junk, euro denominated junk. How's that work? People are more afraid of uh, Donald Trump than defaults. Yes, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that it does anyone ever any good to disparage uh, European finance or the euro itself. I mean, uh, my friend Byron Wien once called Europe an outdoor museum, which I thought was undiscriminating. A lot of places in Europe. To be sure, the Treasury has its problem. U.S. Treasury has its problem. But Evan, I mean, Europe has many things, many great things, but it's not paradise, right? No. Uh, over the weekend, we had kind of a quasi-constitutional crisis in Spain as Catalonia tried to vote it for its independence. In Germany, over the weekend, we got the... Uh, AFD, which is the right-wing party, it's the first time that a right-wing uh, party has actually gained representation in the parliament since uh, 1945, which is not exactly a, a great year for for the country. By May of next year, Italy has to have an election, and those are always pretty eventful things. Yeah, so th well, those are those are a political risk. I think in the case of Germany, it's not a clear and present risk. I mean, this, no. this uh, Angela Merkel did win, but there are political risks. There are risks, it would seem, with respect to the central bank's policy. The European Central Bank has been easier than easy and uh, more accommodative than uh, the most welcoming innkeeper. But uh, my goodness, a, a, two, a low two number on a speculative grade bond index. You know, I, I was thinking about this again. I, I heard of someone, some uh, a formidable figure in finance. I won't name this person, but this, this person said that uh, the withdrawal of uh, so-called QE in America, quantitative easing, is not going to be a big deal because the implementation of QE actually did much less than advertised. That was the contention of this eminent person. And I said, yeah, well, well I, no. There is not one national market for finance in this country and one continental market in Europe. The world is linked through arbitrage. So if uh, European junk yields what it yields, as little as it yields, that certainly is going to inform the cost of capital and the perception of risk elsewhere, no? Absolutely. It certainly doesn't show the, the risk in Europe. Euro-wide inflation uh, was up 1.5% uh, year over year in, in August, which means that the real yield on these bonds is less than a percent. You're being paid less than a real percent for, for default risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do uh, bonds default in Europe? Oh, I, I think they default everywhere. Um, well, um, Europe isn't the only hotspot in the world. Phil has uh, 
pointed uh, to a, a very interesting story this morning that moved on Bloomberg having to do with Chinese property stocks. It, it seems as if uh, someone on high in China is bound and determined to, uh, I don't know, to do what? Reinstitute sanity and finance in China? When dealing with finance in China, I don't think sanity ever. Yeah. Well, uh, but uh, what has happened is that eight cities implemented curbs uh, with most of these uh, orders banning home resales within two or three years of purchase. So this is like, don't speculate. Yeah. One of kind of the um, unsung changes in China in the last year is whereas a lot of the debt had been kind of on corporate balance sheets or local government balance sheets in the last year, year and a half, you've had consumers take a tremendous amount of mortgage debt in order to, to, to speculate on property. So you've kind of been levering up the last kind of unlevered part of China. Well, I want in a moment, I want to talk to you, uh, Evan, and you, Phil, about uh, the return of stock of the stock picker. This is a headline in the edition of the Financial Times that I'm staring at right now. But um, first, um, do you know that if you exercise like a fiend five days a week, that you may be eligible for a special rate, special consideration uh, by an insurance company called Health IQ, uh, which caters to health conscious people, you know, like like you, like the, like the listeners to this podcast, like the readers of grants, um, many of them most of them perhaps Olympic contenders at some point in their lives. So uh, if you exercise five times a week, and who doesn't? If you, uh, if you are health-minded in what you eat and, uh, and how you train and the like, well, check out uh, Health IQ. It advocates for a health-conscious lifestyle, and it reflects that advocacy in the rates it charges you. Um, historically, you get penalized for family history or body mass index, what have you, other attributes, but you don't get rewarded for your health-conscious lifestyle. Now, Health IQ means to change that. It rewards you for your preoccupation, I'm, I'm not going to say obsession, with the way you look in the mirror. Well, it pays. It pays with special rates on life insurance. So to find out more, you go to healthiq.com slash grants. That's healthiq.com slash grants. So Evan and Phil, this is we have some good news in the papers today. Good news for us. And I think the good news, uh, good news for some of our readers too, which is the return of the stock picker. Now, I've heard it said in the past decade or so that uh, people who avail themselves only of the risk-on, risk-off modality have excelled. They have... have uh, journaled their funds to uh, index fund providers and to exchange-traded funds charging next to nothing for their stewardship and delivering, in exchange for that next to nothing, outstanding performance. Now, in what other walk of capitalism do you find that you, the, more, the less you pay, the more you get? Yeah, the, silent, the, the, the silence you hear, ladies and gentlemen, is, is a silence of, uh, we're, 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 we'll, we'll accept suggestions um, about this this conundrum, but it's a it's a, it's an anomaly, if not a unique situation, right? Yeah. At least in recent years. Yeah. So the idea is that uh, you can outperform the hedge funds, the uh, professional stock pickers, if you accept and implement the advice of Warren Buffett, uh, who has got this bet on with a couple of friends of ours, that all you got to do is, is uh, you know buy the uh, buy the S and P index. Can you imagine if this continues for a year? We might have BlackRock coming out saying correlations are so low, it's hard for passive investors to, uh, to outperform the, the active guys. Well, you know, correlations have collapsed. Yeah, this is a little known fact, except uh, well known to those who read today's FT, which, by the way, is like not a sponsor. 
Thanks, FT. But so it says here, I'm reading now from the FT story, the shift is profound. The correlation between individual stocks within the S&P 500 and the index itself has collapsed the lowest level since 2001, according to Charles Schwab. Um, dispersions, on the other hand, have, uh, have not changed so much. That's the extent to which um, differences between the good and bad stocks uh, uh, express themselves. That's still subdued, it says here, but still, I think it's a start. The great correlation collapse. That's the uh, the mem. Well, that's good because what we do at Grants is to is to look for differences. Right? I mean, Evan Lorenz, sitting right here, spends hours poring over documents, talking to people on the phone, uh, trying to uh, elicit facts that have not been surfaced and that may bear on the price of a stock. And it did us no good these past ten years, Evan. Didn't make a damn bit of difference. Well, then it's a slight exaggeration, but it has been frustrating at times. Yeah. That sounds like whining in a way, doesn't it? <laughs> Andy Kessler, in, in an article that posted last night in the Wall Street Journal, had, had some wonderful advice. He said, the core of investing is quite simple. Determine what everybody else thinks and then figure out which direction they are wrong in. And, and that's been wonderful advice for generations. And it's just not worked out so great for the last couple of years. Yeah. It seems like everything goes up, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Especially if it's bad. Well, our friend uh, uh, Joe Robillard uh, said it so well. I, I love quoting this uh, quote, uh, successful investing is about having everyone agree with you later. Isn't that lovely? But, you know, successful investing has been about seeing the obvious and uh, and uh, putting money on it. And, you know, I, I, there's, there's a fine line in, um, between uh, the successful uh, mobilization of the idea of contrary opinion on the one hand and uh, kind of a, a snobbishness on the other. I, you, you can, as, a, as someone who is of the church of contrary opinion, sometimes be a little too clever by half and you can uh, ignore to your peril and to the peril of your readers and or investors uh, some of the uh, things which, uh, though obvious, are nonetheless dispositive in the stock market. I myself have ignored uh, certain things like that, like, uh, oh, like uh, bond yields falling. <laughs> not ignore them, but question them when I perhaps should not have questioned them. Uh, anyway, I, th I think this is, um, uh, to the extent this is a, a trend and not merely a single point observation, I think that the, uh, quote, return of the stock picker and, and the return of the bond picker uh, not only is welcome, but also, I think, satisfies and ticks the box called common sense. One uh, one bit of price action detail that I found interesting today is that as the S&P continues to grind at or near um, its all-time highs, we've seen a, a break in one of its uh, most uh, important components, and that is Amazon, which is, has fluttered now to, uh, you know, not not sharply off its highs, but has 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 uh, definitely lost uh, trading momentum and sits, uh, I think, at, at four month lows. Uh, you know, just well, something to keep an eye on. You know, momentum is is uh, is a is a big thing. I, I Cliff Asness, who is a, a superb thinker about markets, and uh, and uh, you know, you have to praise him. Just look at his record. He's a, he's an accomplished investor and a man of considerable intellectual parts. He 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 has written a lot and. Uh, uh, and acted a lot upon this idea of momentum. It's something that um, uh, we of the value tribe tend to disparage. Uh, but I think in the case of Amazon, I think I agree, Phil. I think it's a very big deal. I, Evan, I wonder if the search for yet a second headquarters city is uh, has somehow inflamed the market gods. Now, this is not to inflame the market gods is not a concept that I think is on the CFA exam, right? You're a CFA. Not when I took the test. Of course, we can't know about uh, additions, but uh, I'm guessing that it's still not in the test. But, you know, there's, there's something about this. I mean, anyway. Uh, on, on the CFA and kind of market gods, um, they had a paper out a week or two ago that was talking about how 
valuing company based off of their earnings maybe is not the best way to do it. I, I think they're trying to take a page from like the market before Amazon started selling off. They said there's franchise value. There's the Amazon.coms uh -huh. of the world, uh -huh. which yeah. they, they lose money pretty consistently. But gosh, they're, they're very highly valued. Phil, I think you read the paper too. Yes. Am yes. I getting anything wrong? No, it's uh, yeah, the asset, the, the focus is yeah. on that. But, but it'd be wonderful for an academic to kind of publish on a trend just as it's uh, coming to its end. Well, I want to sing the praises of uh, Away Travel, which is the maker of one nifty piece of luggage. Now, if I have it here. Again, um, I think most of the, of the listeners to this podcast uh, can't see it, but they can hear it. Ready? This is uh, the sound you hear is going to be the sound of knuckles on a premium German polycarbonate. Ready? All right. American Airlines, do your worst. This is unrivaled in strength, impact resistance, and uh, very lightweight, too. You can carry up and down the stairs. It's got the 360-degree spinner wheels. Now, go someplace and see if you can get 361 degrees. It's not going to happen. This is the maximum turning capacity of any set of wheels. It's TSA-approved, combination lock built into the top of the bag. It prevents theft. Removable, washable laundry bag. You can, and, you, and you can charge your phone right there, right in, the, right in the suitcase, without having to lug around a dead phone, which happens not infrequently in our household. Material is sleek, ultra durable, easy to carry, as I guess I mentioned already. And I don't know, this is, this, is, uh, this is great. And to know that the company knows it's great, understand that there's a 100-day trial. Live with it, travel with it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked, free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. And by by the way, go to the website and look at it. I think it's one of the cooler websites. Yeah. Here's how to get in touch with uh, Away Travel. You got a, there's a special offer, a unique uh, offer for you, the listeners of uh, this podcast, a unique URL for $20 off a suitcase. To get that, just visit awaytravel.com slash grantspod and use the promo code grantspod during the checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash grantspod and use promo code grantspod during the checkout, period. Close quote. All right. Solid. Solid piece of luggage. So Evan, here's what I would like you to implement now that we have uh, understood that it's the era of the stock and the bond pick. I want you to go back in the office and I want you to find some individual securities that are going to do better than the average. Ready? Ready. Phil? Okay. On it? Off we go. Okay. Till next time. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, to the Grants Interest Rate Observer Podcast.